Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Now I'd like for you to open your Bible with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, which uh, happens to be one of the most intimate and personal psalms that uh, David ever wrote. Um, you know, I heard a, um, a minister, I heard that a minister once said, he was in, um, in talking in the midst of some leaders, and I heard that he once said, um, I know that intele- I know intellectually that God loves me, but on a daily basis, very often, I don't feel like God likes me. I know that God loves me in my head, but on a daily basis, I don't really feel like God likes me. Now, as important as it is to understand intellectually that God loves you, the problem with, with just having an intellectual knowledge of the love of God is that the love of God intellectually will not transform you. How many know it's got to be intimate and experiential? You need to know deep inside of your heart that God loves you if you're going to be changed. In fact, uh, um, John Piper said it this way. He said, you can't have true Christianity based on decisions and not on affections. Some people can try to reduce Christianity to being, well, I've decided to serve God and, uh, and it doesn't matter how I feel. We walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. All of that is true. But how many know that our God is an affectionate God? And he's des- he desires for us to have an affectionate relationship with him. He's desi- he desires for us, all of us, to be impacted in a very powerful way by the love of God. I want to read some verses to you to, that, that reflect the, the, the nature of what God really wants his love to do in our lives. I could read dozens of them, but I'm only going to read a few uh, as we get ready to take communion here and actually start a new series today. But John 1, 4, 18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And so we're supposed to be experiencing the love of God in such a way that the love of God wants to drive out all of the fear out of our hearts. Lots of Christians battle with fear, but God wants to drive out that fear by his love. Okay, here's another one. The Bible says knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Love doesn't just drive out fear, but love actually builds up our hearts and our lives. And some people think that getting smarter makes you better, but that's not true. Getting smarter can actually make you prouder. That's what the Bible says. You see, what really builds up is the love of God. Look at what, they, what Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says. It says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together. Now, this is for our church. Okay, this is him, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, and he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love, that word know, is not head knowledge, it's experiential knowledge. Okay, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So there, is, there are things that you can know in your head, but the one thing that, that you need to know more than in your head, you need to know it in your heart, it's the love of God. You see, because when you know the love of God in your heart, that's when you walk around filled up. You can have a lot of information about God, but not really be filled up. Can I tell you, I believe 
that this issue that we're going to be addressing today, this issue of the love of God, is one of the reasons why older believers get stuck. It is possible to get stuck the older you are in God, and if your walk with God is stalled, if your walk with God is kind of stuck, okay, maybe you're serving God out of faithfulness, maybe you're serving God because you know that you know that God is real. After all of these years, you can't deny that God is not real and faithful, and yet your relationship with God is flat, okay? And the reason that it's flat is because you're not being impacted by the amazing love of God. And that's why you see here in the book of Revelation, Jesus said all of this great things about the Ephesian church, and he said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you've had at first, or uh, plainly stated, you have lost your first love. Now, this is a, a, a huge battle. One of the things that I pray about, and I've been praying about this more. Uh, um, in fact, let me say it this way. Okay, the second service at our church is a little bit unique because the second service is the, it's the optimal time for people to go to church. So it's the, it's the service that has the most people. Um, but we also know it's the service that has the most visitors, it's the service that has the most people who are searching and trying to figure things out. And, and today's message is especially important to all of us, whether you're in deep with God for a long time or just on the outside, because the power of transformation is found in the love of God. If you want to be changed... You're going to be changed by the love of God. And so we're going to be looking at a psalm by David where David explains the journey that he took on learning how to receive the love of God. We're going to spend three weeks on this. Pastor Dave came in and encouraged me. I was like, man, this is kind of like a mushy series, you know what I mean? And Lord, three weeks, and Pastor Dave came in after the last service and said, no, we need to stay here. We need to stay here because a lot of people battle with receiving the love of God. And that's the title of the series is Learning How to Receive the Love of God. Now, I want to encourage everyone here. I want to encourage everyone here to read Psalm 139. Everyone say Psalm 139. That's your homework, okay? One of the things I'm hoping is that over the next three weeks, you will also practice something that the Bible emphasizes, which is meditation. If you want to get more out of the Word of God, you need to think about it and meditate. When you read the Bible, you, you don't just read it in passing and say, oh, I ate. Sometimes you can eat a meal real fast and, 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 uh, and receive a benefit from it. You receive nutrients from it. But when you, when you read the Word of God, if you take the time to meditate on it, you get the most out of it. And so we're going to be here one psalm, three weeks and uh, I'm trusting that God is going to help us. Now, one more thing. Um, why do we struggle before we go into, into how to receive the love of God? Why is it that we struggle? And I want to tell you in advance, I'm going to put up a verse now that I find. There are certain verses in the Bible that are kind of like strong. And um, this is a strong verse. I'm like, Lord, that is strong. But I think it's going to help us. It's going to help set the background as we go to take communion today. So there's a proverb. Listen to this. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I told you it was strong, right? Okay. Now, I remember reading in the Proverbs and coming across this. And what the, the obvious thing with this verse says that it's foolish to go back to your sin. Okay, but um, I was like, Lord, this is so strong. What are you really saying? Why did you put this in the Bible? And so um, I did a little bit of studying, and dogs' noses possess up to 300 million olfactory receptors. Receptors Compared to us, we have about 6 million 
And the part of a dog's brain that is devoted to analyzing smells is 40 times greater than ours. A dog's sniffer is 40 times stronger than ours. And so here's what happens to the dog, and it's based on their nature, okay? Dogs, they, they want to survive. Eating is very important to dogs. Dogs don't worry about stuff that we do. We're worrying about, you know, paying the mortgage and doing this. Dogs worry about eating, right? It's part of their nature. And so here's what happens. A dog, when a dog throws up, as nasty as it is to us, their senses in their nose are so powerful that even if something uh, made them sick or whatever, their nature still smells what, what they crave all the time. It still can smell the food. They have a nose for the food, and despite all the nastiness, they lick it right up because they smell food. It's their nature. Now, we as human beings, we have a fallen nature, okay? And so part of the reason that we struggle so much with receiving the love of God is because we are very sensitive to sin. We have an awareness of our own sinful nature, okay? Whether we deal with it or not, we are very aware of our sin. And some people are very aware of their sin. They have a nose for their own sin. Some people also have a nose for other people's sins. You see, and some people, what they do because they can't deal with their own sin, what they do is they focus on other people's sins. You see, because the truth of the matter is, is that they can't face what's going on in their own heart, so they spend all of their energy talking about other people. But just know, people who focus on criticizing everyone else, they're just hiding from themselves. You see, because when you're really full of the love of God, when you're really understanding how much God loves you despite who you are, how many know you don't focus on anyone else? How many have found that to be true? Amen. But, but, but listen, listen, our sensitivity to sin at times hinders us. It hinders us from receiving God's love because we know in our heart of hearts, that in God there is no sin because he's holy. And that's why communion is so important. Listen, communion is supposed to be powerful. Every time we take communion, it's supposed to have a powerful impact on our lives. You see? But the reason it's supposed to be powerful is because we recognize how sinful we are, and we recognize how amazing God's love is. You see, communion is a celebration of what Jesus did on the cross. We are rejoicing that God loved us that much that he would go and die for us. Aren't you thankful, right, that Jesus died for you and for me? Amen. Could we praise him? Amen. Now, now, that brings us here to Psalm 139, and we're going to read the first uh, 12 verses today. And uh, this is very, very important. When all of the commentators said, first of all, this was by far one of the most personal, intimate psalms that David ever wrote. They also said that it's very likely that David wrote this psalm right when the temple was being built. The way it happened was is that David got a, a burden to build the temple for God. And uh, he went to one of the prophets and said, I want to build a temple for God. How could I live in a nice house and God not have a place where we should worship him? And uh, the prophet went back to God and God said, go back and tell David that he is not the one to build the temple. I don't want to use him that way, but I am going to use his son and, and uh, however, however, my heart is so blessed that David would have those desires for me that the throne in the temple will be known as the throne of David forever and ever and ever. And so David's son Solomon built the temple in the Old Testament. But they say that David probably while he was watching all of this, David stopped, okay, and he said, oh, snap. God has been so 
good and so amazing. I can't believe that God would use me this way and that I would be part of this and that the throne will be called the throne of David. I can't get my head around it. And yet he got a spiritual revelation of it. And this is how David, this is, we're going to learn today the things that David uh, 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 understood from the Holy Spirit so that, so that we, how many want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart today? Could I see your hands? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, listen, you can't change yourself. You can't make yourself better. No matter how hard you try, no matter, no matter how you try to discipline yourself, it is impossible to make yourself better or change yourself. On this level, at this spiritual dimension, it is impossible. But, hallelujah, all things are possible with God. The love of God is able to transform us by his mighty power. And that's why just know Christianity is a religion of love. Okay? Now let's go ahead and read the first uh, 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 12 verses and, and we'll just make some quick points and take communion. So Psalm 139, look at what David says. Okay? This is David like reflecting and analyzing and here's what he says. He says, you have searched me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. How many know even when we sit in the wrong place, God knows it? You know, he knows when we rise up. He knows every single morning that we rise up, he knows all things. Look at what it says. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Even before we know what we're going to think, God already knows what we're going to think. Okay? You discern my going out and my lying down. And then I want you to say these last part of the sentence with me. Ready? You are familiar with all my ways. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it, everyone, completely. Very, very important. You know it completely. Then he says, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. This is a powerful progression here. Okay, let's keep going a little bit more. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David is saying, I just can't get this, Lord. I can't get that you would do this and be this way. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Aren't you thankful today no matter where you run, he's going to be right there. Hallelujah. And so what you're going to see today in this psalm, the first thing that you see that enabled David to receive the love of God was he was able to accept a number of things. And step one to receiving the love of God, it all begins with acceptance. Everyone say acceptance. And that's the title of my message today is acceptance. Part one is all about acceptance. There are some things that we just have to accept like David did so that we can be transformed by the power of the love of God. So let's just pray for a minute. Father, thank you for this day and for this time. Lord, I thank you for, for uh, uh, everyone that's come today. Lord, I thank you for visitors Lord, for first-time visitors, and Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, for the members of this body, people who've been here, Lord, since the very beginning of our church. I thank you for all of them. And God, I pray that we would all continue to grow. Lord, no one's walk with you should ever get stale. No one's, no one's walk with you should ever be stuck, Lord. Your steadfast love, it never ceases. And I pray that as we go to take communion today, Lord, 
that you would start something fresh and new in our love relationship with you. Bless this word, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. So if we're going to learn how to receive God's love, uh, uh, there are a number of things that we have to accept, which David accepted. And the first thing is, the first step is that we have to accept that God is totally aware. God is omniscient. God knows all things. David said, you have searched me. That word means you have examined me in the deepest possible way. You've put me under a microscope. You have checked out everything about me. You have searched me and you know me. How many know he knows us? Here's what he says. He says, you know when I sit and when I rise. Somehow, sometimes we think when we're doing stuff that God doesn't see. But how many know he does see? He does more than see. He even perceives our thoughts from afar. Now, the reason why this is important when, it, when we talk about thoughts is because in the New Testament, this is very important, in the New Testament, the standard of God changes. Okay, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that if you murder someone, then you'll experience judgment. Thou shalt not kill. But in the New Testament, it says if you call your brother a fool, you get the same judgment. In the Old Testament, it says you shall not commit adultery. But in the New Testament, it says if you just look at a woman with lust in your heart to commit adultery with her, you did commit adultery. So how many know this thing is deep? Okay, and in a lot of ways, when you, when you think about the concept of him knowing us, uh, it's not all that comforting, is it? You see, it's not comforting unless you accept that he knows. You see, it says, you discern my going out and my lying down. And everyone, one more time, you are familiar with all my ways. Okay. Many people can't face the fact when they go to pray on a daily basis. Because what this is talking about is the rubber meets the road moments. What is your personal relationship like with Jesus? My sister has her Bible right there, right? So awesome to, to, uh, to see a real Bible. No, no offense against phones and iPads, but it's just nice to see, you know, the, the Indian paper right there. You know what I mean? And uh, um, every time she sits to open the Bible, every time you and I sit to open the Bible, many of us struggle with the fact that God knows. He knows what we were like. He knows where we've been. He knows what we do. He knows what we don't do. God looks past the facade of you and I. You know, we, we can put our best foot forward in life. But, but how many know God, God sees what's inside of your bones, much less your foot? He just sees it all. And David, David had an almost like a New Testament understanding of the mercy of God where he could enjoy God even though God knew everything about him. Very, very important. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And a lot of times we just can't get over those ugly things inside of us. And like I said, some of us, we spend so much time pointing fingers at everyone else, but what we're really doing is hiding from ourselves. Okay? You can't be a critical person and then have this overflowing love relationship with Jesus, can you? You see? But it's a smoke screen. It's hiding. But David began by saying, you know everything. And look, in the New Testament, there were a number of times, look at these verses real quick. It says, then an argument started among the disciples uh, as to which of them would be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the thoughts of their hearts, okay, had a little child stand beside them. And then he gave them a, 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 a lesson about who would, what does it take to be the greatest. But how many know Jesus knew? You know, sometimes you, everybody remembers this. When you're kids, you could be having an argument with your brother and sister. And your parents come and they say, hey, what's going on? You go, nothing. You know what I mean? It's like nothing. 
Nothing, that's what the disciples did. But how we know, you can't say nothing to Jesus because he already knows everything. You see? He, the Pharisees were conniving and doing all this stuff. And the Bible says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Everybody say, he knows. He does know. Okay? And David said, first thing he says, Lord, I'm standing here in your blessing. And you know. You know. And this is before Christ. Okay? I'm standing here in your blessing and you know. Now, that's the first thing he accepted. Here's the second thing he accepted, which is why it was so wonderful. Okay? David accepted that God's awareness doesn't stop his hand. God's awareness doesn't stop his hand. Look at the next verse in this passage. Right after he says, you're familiar with all of my ways, he says, you hem me in behind and before. And come on, let's read this. You lay your hand upon me. Now, hem me in almost means like, God, you hug me and smother me. You know, I love to smother my grandkids. I love to hug them and kiss them. And, and sometimes when he's like, oh, I can't take it, dude. You can't breathe. You know what I mean? I just love smothering him. Well, David says, you know all that stuff about me and you smother me. You know all of that stuff about me and you smother me. In fact, you lay your hand upon me. Now, in the Bible... When the Bible says, you lay your hand upon me, many times we think of the hand of God is upon that, purpose, upon that person. We think about God using them for his purposes. Okay, very, this is kind of the, this is the point, okay, that starts to bring the difference. This is the point, all right. So many people tend to think, oh, the hand of God on someone that hand, God puts his hand on them because he wants to use them for his purposes, okay? But see, that's not really it. What we have to understand is the touch of God is a touch of intimacy before a touch of purpose. When Jesus was baptized, before he did any miracles... Okay, when he came up out of the water, there was a voice that came and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He was a son before he was a minister. You see, you are a son and a daughter before you do anything for God. He has great plans for your life, but before you do anything, how many are thankful that he loves us as his very own children as we celebrate communion today? Hallelujah for the love of God. And when God touches us, it's a touch of uh, intimacy. It's not a touch of purpose. When you go to pray tonight, when you go to read your Bible tonight, when you go to read your Bible tomorrow, when you go to lunch during the week, okay, and instead of, instead of uh, taking an hour, you say, I'm going to eat lunch fast today and then I'm going to go and read my Bible. When you do that, you just got to know God is going to be right there. And guess what he wants to do? He wants to touch you with his love. That's what he does, okay, even though he knows. He wants to touch you. That's why, think about this, that's why Abraham and his sons were liars and he still used them. That's why Moses was a murderer and he still used him. David was a murderer and an adulterer and he still used them. Why? Because he loved them. He knew from the very beginning. How many know from the very beginning before the foundations of the earth, he knew you and he called you. You see, he loves us. Most people can't get past this moment. Okay? I'm t and I'm, listen. I've been asking God, God, give me messages that help people grow. Okay, God doesn't want you to be stuck. But if every time you go to think about the Bible, you give in to shame and you feel this and you feel like God doesn't love you and you feel like, like oh, but, but what about what I did? You don't understand that he already knows and he still wants to touch you. Hallelujah. 
Come on, put your hand on your heart right now. This is the beginning. Okay, maybe you've been serving the Lord for 30 years and maybe your heart has grown cold. He doesn't want your heart cold. He wants to touch you. He wants to touch you with, with love so deep that your life will be transformed. Maybe you're afraid today. What you have to understand, he wants to put his hand on you to touch you because he loves you, not because he wants to use you. Some people start to think, uh, I'm like a pair of scissors that God uses. No, you're not a pair of scissors. You're his child. And he wants to touch you today. And I want you to say to God, thank you for putting your hand upon my heart and life, even though you know. He knows. He knows. He knows all of our failings. Okay, he knew David. Okay, if, if we were God, we wouldn't choose us, but we're not God. You see? It's an important thing to start, to, to celebrate. This is why communion is, keep your hand on your heart, but listen to this. Because I always think about things just with your eyes closed. What are the transactions that take place that make certain people rise in God and, and others don't? Well, here's one of them. Say, Lord, I can't really get my head around it, but you still place your hand upon my life, even though you know. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Amen. Amen. That's why we're going to sing in a moment. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one A heart's adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. We're going to sing that again when we finish communion. But you see, some people say, well, you know, those people, oh, they're so emotional. No. No. We're just happy in the love of God. You see, if you haven't learned how to cross over into the love of God, you need to begin to take steps of faith. You got to start taking the steps of faith. Okay, maybe you grew up in a crusty, kind of dry, dead kind of Christianity. Okay? God wants that to be cast away. When we, take, when, we, when we take communion today and we celebrate the body and blood and we renew the power of Christ to set us free and to forgive us, God wants you to step into something new. And what he wants you to do is to step into his love in a brand new way. Because that's the kind of relationship he wants with us. And then here's the last thing, and then we're going to close. I'm going to take communion here. The last thing that David accepted, so he accepted that God is totally aware. He accepts that God's awareness doesn't stop his hand. And then he accepted that running doesn't work. Okay? Running doesn't work. Everyone say running doesn't work. It doesn't work. So here's what David said, okay? David said, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. Like, Lord, I can't believe how you've blessed me, right? If I make my bed in the depths, which literally means in hell itself, he says, God, you ju I jump both feet into a pit of hell, and guess what you do? You go right down there and get me. How many have been pulled out of a few pits of sin that we jumped in with both feet? Hallelujah. Even if I make my bed in the depths, that's where you are. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea. Notice this. Notice. Let's read this together. Ready? Even there your hand will guide me 
your right hand will hold me fast. You see, running doesn't work. Now let me give you one last illustration and then we're going to close. So, uh, yesterday, uh, the, the, uh, our youngest one, James, didn't go to the reception, but we had Wesley come. And, um, and he was just squirming so much. You know, and I'm thinking about this message, and I'm watching him squirm. Actually, he ended up in my sister-in-law. She just, was, she just kept holding him. And, and here's the way it is with little kids, okay? So you've all done this. If you have a little one, you sit them there, and they run over here. And what do you do? You pick them up, and you put them back. So, okay, stay right here, okay? And it's part of how to train up a child in the way, okay, okay, come back, sit there, okay? Then you go do your thing, and then they run over there, and then you run over there, grab them, and put them back. How many have ever had a babysitter? When you go run over there, put them back. Run over there, put them back. Here's what David said. Look, it doesn't matter. You can run over there. God's going to go like this. He's going to grab you, and he's going to put you back right where you belong. You're going to run over there. God's going to grab you. He's going to put you right back where you belong. Don't you, haven't you experienced that? You're like, oh, snap, I'm right back here. Stop running. Stop running from God. Now, before we take communion, I've got one more, one more thing to say about this. Look, there's so much that God has for us. But God's love is so amazing, okay? His patience won't run out. His love is so amazing that if you spend the rest of your life, run over here, he'll pick you up, bring you back. He, he wants to take you all kinds of places, you see. But if you run to, the, run to the depths of hell, go down there, pick him up, put him back. Run over there, pick him up, put him back. If, if, if that's the life that you choose to live, it doesn't matter in a sense. You are not going to stop the love of God. Okay, in the book of Romans, we don't have time, but it says, what can separate us from the love of God? Neither height nor death nor angels or demons or powers or famine or nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, some people spend gigantic chunks of their life, run over there, God grabs you, puts you back. But God, he's saying, look, I want you to get washed today. I want you to let some things go today. I want you to start accepting how much I love you and letting me start to lead you. It says there his hand will guide. Why does God grab you when you run away? It's because he wants to guide you. And when we take communion, as we're going to take right now, what we're doing is we are celebrating, okay? We're celebrating the fact that God loves us, despite us, we've made bad decisions. You know what I call it? I have it in my notes, so just glance at my notes. My notes say, there are what we call a holy override. You make a decision and God overrides it. You make a decision and there's a holy, how many are thankful for holy overrides today? Could we praise God? Hallelujah. Okay. So now, when, why, why do people run? They run because of shame. They run because of hurt. They run because of pain. They run because of trauma. Here's a big one. They run because of anger. Let's get ready, guys, to, to pass out the emblems. But listen to me. Some people here, you're angry with God, okay? You're angry with God, and you're angry with God because this happened or that happened or this hasn't happened yet, you see? But the thing is, is God does all things well. He's just not finished, you see? God doesn't waste our suffering. Maybe you've been through some hurt and some pain, but even though you've been through hurt or pain, God can use your pain to become someone else's blessing, just like he did with his son. So today is the kind of day that what we have to do is say, Lord, I want to bring my shame under the blood. I want to bring my anger under the blood. I want to bring my fear 
under the blood, God. I want to get back to the reason that you died on the cross. You died because, Lord, you love me and you want to have a relationship of love with me. Now, Jesus paid the price so that we could receive forgiveness and freedom. As we pass out the emblems, we want you to take one of each and just hold them. What we're doing right now is we're searching our hearts. Please listen just a little more. I know there's a lot of commotion, but this is the nature of taking communion. As, as, uh, as we go to take communion today, one of the things that we're doing is we're thanking God for his love and his forgiveness even though he knows. We're saying, God, you know. And maybe, maybe you've been places where you, you need to say to God, God, you know. And Lord, forgive me. I turn my back on that. I repent today. Repent means I turn my back on that. Maybe someone's here and you got to turn your back on sin. Because what's the point of running to this or running to that? And remember, I don't know if I said this, but if you don't accept God's amazing love, then you'll accept the devil's slop. But he's just going to go get you and bring you back. That's what he's going to do. So some of us, as, as we go to take communion, we're asking God, God, search our hearts, wash us, and cleanse us, and forgive us. And by the way, Lord, anyone who has sinned against us, we forgive them too. Because Jesus died for their sin as well. If you're angry with God, today is the day to say, Lord, forgive me for being angry with you. I'm not going to point the finger at you any longer. I'm going to let this go, and I'm going to let you bless me. I'm just going to let you bless me, God. God, I want you to have your way with my life. Now, here's one last thing, and you could just keep your eyes closed. But the Bible says that when we take communion... There's a way to take communion that pleases God, and there's a way to take communion that doesn't please God. And here's what it is. The Bible says don't do outwardly or symbolically. What we're doing is symbolic, and yet it's a symbol that God says he blesses. This act is blessed by God when we do it with sincerity of heart. But it's not blessed if we haven't done it spiritually and inwardly. In other words... Why would you take the emblems of relationship if you've never had a spiritual moment where you ex ask Jesus to have a real spiritual relationship? And the, what qualifies us to partake of communion is that we literally took Jesus into our hearts. We said, Jesus, we want a relationship with you spiritually. That's what it means to be born again. It means that you have a new start in God by accepting Jesus into your heart. And while every eye is closed, perhaps you, you know that you know that today is the day that God is knocking on the door of your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart, knocking on the door of your heart saying, I love you. I desire you. I died for you. I died to pay the price for your sin so that all of the guilt and shame could be removed and you and I could have a relationship with, of love. God didn't die so that we could go to church. He died so that we could have a relationship. And if you're here today and you've never had a moment in time where you ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, it's as simple as praying a prayer and I would love to lead you in that prayer. If you're here today while well, every heart is, is, is bowed before God, eyes are closed. This is a personal thing, uh, uh, um, but it's a very important thing for us to do. And if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I want to I ask Jesus into my heart. Just raise your hand and I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Is there anyone here today you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Raise your hand high so that I could see it. Thank you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the building, nice and high, uh, uh, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. God is so good. Thank you for receiving his love today. 
Hallelujah. Those who raise your hand, you can put your hands down right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then you're going to take communion as a child of God. So everyone, let's take a moment. Let's all pray this together. But those who raise their hand, I'm going to help you with the words. But God is going to hear your heart. And he's going to come into your heart by his spirit. He's going to forgive you and cleanse you. He's going to do inwardly what we're celebrating outwardly right now. So let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Because today, Lord, I'm receiving your amazing love. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and that you came to the earth to live a sinless life and then to die for my sin. Forgive me, Lord, for all of my sin and offenses. Wash my heart clean with your blood. I open up the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Sit on the throne of my heart. Be my Lord and my master. Be my savior and my friend. Thank you for receiving me even as I receive you. Amen. Amen. I know we can't clap, but we're clapping in our hearts right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God for all of those that just accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to congratulate you. The Bible says to them that believed, he gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. Right now, brothers and sisters, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, all of the angels in heaven are rejoicing over your life because you've become a child of God. And as we take communion, you're part of the family of God. And we could everyone say hallelujah and amen to that? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hopefully you received a, 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 a gift from us. We, we uh, gave you a box. If you didn't receive a gift box, that's a gift from, from our church to you to help you start your new relationship with God. There's a card in there. If you'll fill it out and give it to one of the ushers, we would really um, appreciate that. We just want to make a connection with you and help you start your new relationship with God. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dave, uh, uh, Pastor Jake, would you? Come. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pastor Dave is going to pray for the bread, which is a symbol of the broken body of Christ. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. He's going to pray and then we'll take it together. God, we thank you that you offered yourself up. And you took a beating, oh God, Lord, that we deserved. And we thank you, oh God, Lord that you did say, oh God, Lord, by your stripes we are healed. And Lord, by the beatings that you receive, we are made whole. And so God, I just pray, Lord, for minds that have been disturbed, we pray, oh God, make them whole in you, oh God. We pray for bodies that are sick, oh God. Heal them in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to receive all of the benefits that you paid for on the cross. And so God, we just thank you Thank you, O oh God, Lord, that you provided for our healing. You provided for our wholeness, that our minds can be sound, that our emotions can be whole, O oh God. Lord, you've made a way for us to be right with you, and we thank you, O oh God. Thank you for giving yourself. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for making us brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's take the bread together. 
In the same way, <clears throat> after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant or the new contract in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You celebrate the Lord's death. And right now, Pastor Jake is going to pray for the cup which symbolizes the blood that was shed for our forgiveness and for our cleansing. And we're going to take it and celebrate it. Hallelujah. And, and just rejoice in the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you for your blood, oh God, that as it was poured out on Calvary, oh God, Lord, it washed over all of our sins even today, oh God. God, because of your blood, Lord, we are, Lord, it's not, Lord, we're not partially cleaned, oh God, but we are completely and fully washed clean, white as snow, oh God. Lord, you forgave every one of our sins, oh God, and through the power of your forgiveness, we can even forgive all of those in our life, oh God. And so, God, we thank you for your blood. It washes over us, oh God. It cleanses us, oh God. And Jesus, we thank you that there's not a single sin that you haven't seen, oh God, that is not covered by that, oh God. So God, we accept it today, oh God. We receive it by taking this cup, oh God. Lord, we ask that your blood would wash over us afresh and anew today and that we would walk in complete freedom and, Lord, in complete Lord, cleanliness, oh God, and holiness, oh God, wash, Lord, freely from our sins. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Let's take the cup together. <coughs> Come on, lift up that cup to Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. 